You're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. In the midst of all of the upheaval from the COVID-19 pandemic, much of our usual work and ministry has had to be sidelined. But we're committed to trying to keep at least a taste of normalcy. So our Lenten series, a series of five Wednesday evenings in which different people were invited to tell a part of their story of calling or vocation, well, it was interrupted. The first two we could hold in the chapel at All Saints Church, and then came the suspension of all public gatherings. And so the third, with Vincent Solomon, was a conversation And today we offer you a reflection piece by Danielle Morton. Danielle is a member of St. Benedict's Table, one of our team leaders in our participation in the Collegeville Institute's Community of Calling initiative, and the spiritual life facilitator and coordinator of commuter programming for Canadian Mennonite University. In the course of her talk, Danielle references two resources, One, a book by Kathleen Cahalan, and links to that book are provided in the show notes. The second, a song by Gord Johnson. At the end of her talk, we're offering a recording of that song, which Gord produced especially for this episode. Danielle Morton. Hello, this is Danielle Morton, recording Lenten Reflection for St. Benedict's Table. When I was first approached to be a part of the St. Benedict's Table team for a vocation project, I thought it would be a great connecting point between my work at Canadian Mennonite University and the community which I worship at, St. Ben's. I was especially intrigued at the opportunity to explore the vocation of our community, our collective vocation. What makes us different and why that is. It wasn't until we were a little way in that I realized the impact it would have on how I thought about my individual vocation. I was apprehensive for this to be personal. I had ventured at least part of the way through a discernment process for ordination a number of years ago and had since felt that my vocation had been rather stagnant. I found myself moving forward in a job that I enjoyed but wasn't really sure I was meant to be in. I hadn't anticipated and certainly hadn't yet noticed, but I was feeling called to areas of my life other than work. I assumed my vocation, what I was called to do, had simply gone dormant. This caused a decent amount of inner turmoil, as I could not comprehend, let alone believe, that the God who had at once called me so clearly and loudly had gone silent. While at Collegeville for the opening retreat of this project, And later in conversations with this community, I began to feel a shift. As we learned of and began using the images of the acorn, the pilgrimage, the aha moment, my thinking of call began to morph. These three images of different types of vocation paths offered to us by Kathleen Cahalan allowed me the time and safety to explore not only my own vocation, but also that of my students and fellow congregants. Although these images were intriguing, the idea of seeing calling as a pilgrimage was rather frustrating, as I wondered how on earth you are to know which steps to take while in the midst of a pilgrimage. I noticed that it was an image that seemed to be comforting to many who were, well, 
wiser in years. But for someone who is feeling lost and doesn't have many years to provide the wisdom of hindsight, I was simply frustrated by the idea. For myself, the acorn was a write-off almost immediately. It brought to mind the countless questions of, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or, what does one do with a music degree? It brought up countless nights of anxiously weighing the rest of my life on a final exam or performance. Needless to say, this image was not very freeing. What did seem to resonate a bit was the idea of the aha moment. A moment of surprise, perhaps brought on through the words of others. As I reflected on the friends, family, and mentors who have helped shape my path. Upon reading the rest of her book, The Stories We Live, Finding God's Callings All Around Us, I was relieved to explore the other ways that Cahalan suggests we think about vocation. She encourages readers to stop thinking of vocation as nouns and verbs. Who you are based on your profession or role or what you do in life and rather to think of them as prepositions. Where a noun is a person, place, or thing, and a verb is an action word, a preposition is a class of words that express relationship. They are the seemingly small words that connect words to each other, such as to, with, and for. Cahalan states, When we frame vocation through prepositions, callings become more relational, dynamic, and multiple. Throughout the book, she uses eight prepositions, framed in a sentence, to explore vocation as a relationship between our lives and God's purpose. The sentence goes, I am called by God to follow as I am from grief for service in suffering through others within God. Initially, this helped to reframe vocation to be more about the one who is calling rather than what I am doing. It also reminded me of the communal calling that all Christians have. We are called first and foremost to be followers of Christ. That is all. Cahalan writes, The goal then is to find and live out of God's truth, a truth that takes on particularity in your life, the truth of who you are and how you live. Although we share the same path of discipleship, each of our stories and lives are unique. These particularities lead us to as. Cahalan claims that God doesn't need you to do or be something very specific in order for you to live as you were made to live. God is calling you here and now. You can only live out your vocation as the person you are, Cahalan says. She then asks, What is specific to your family, schooling, work, and life commitments? How have you experienced God's calling as a youth or as an adult, in retirement or the elder years? These contexts shape our callings. Now I must say that reading and reflecting on this book has not cleared up everything, and suddenly I have 2020 vision for my past, present, and future self. If anything, it has left me with more questions. But these questions have a new focus and different intentions. Instead of asking myself, what am I going to do or be in a year or perhaps 10 years? I wonder questions such as, what in my life is particular to my story? 
How have these particularities shaped me? What passions have come to life? What fears do I have? Whom do I love? As I reflected on these questions, I remembered, perhaps ironically, a personality test I had taken many years ago. As is typical, this test asked many questions, then ranked 30 specific qualities or traits from greatest strength, presumably, to greatest weakness. I was delighted when my top strength came back as curiosity. Naturally, at this point, the other 29 characteristics are a bit of a blur. I was delighted by this top strength because my favorite question is and has always been, why? This is something that has endlessly flabbergasted my parents, as they expected that I, just like any other child, would grow out of asking, why? It is also a question that has led me down many different paths, trying different activities, learning new things. Perhaps it's because I'm a serial hobbyist, perhaps it is the farm kid in me. But learning by doing is something that was instilled in me through many years of 4-H clubs and helping my parents. As freeing as the question why is, it is also easy to become overwhelmed by. When I have not been healthy, mentally or physically, I have suppressed this question. When I am stubborn, I dig in, wanting to understand even the minutest detail of whatever topic or issue is at hand. Whether it be the anatomy of a cow, the chemistry of baking, the mechanical workings of the car I own or the tractor I'm driving, or why a person behaves the way they do, I want, I need to know the answer. This is perhaps why religion has always intrigued me. For as many opportunities there are to ask why, there are an equal number of unknowns. And I find this an exciting challenge. I am brought back again and again to the need to trust, to have faith in God, the caller, and the many tricky aspects that come with that. These seemingly disparate thoughts and pieces of reflecting were brought together beautifully one Sunday at worship. It was while I was finishing reading Cahalan's book that we sang Gord Johnson's Gone is the Darkness. The lyrics go, Gone is the darkness, now comes the dawn. O good shepherd, lead me on. Green are your pastures where I belong. Tender your mercies, lead me on. When in my weakness you are made strong, Savior and keeper, lead me on. Soft is your calling, sweet is your song. Willing I follow, lead me on. As we sang, sections of Cahalan's book washed over me. The lyrics, Darkness to Dawn, reminded me of being called From Grief. Us calling out in song to the Good Shepherd who is leading reminded me of our common call by God to be disciples. Living in harmony in the green pastures brought me to the idea of doing all that we do within God and God's kingdom singing of our times of weakness when we know and experience the strength of God, brought back when God comes to us and calls us even in our times of suffering. And God's sweet and soft calling brought me to the idea of hearing God's call through others, through community. 
This song reminded me that even when everything feels and looks uncertain or scary, when we are lost and unable to see the way, that we need to simply listen for the one who is calling. This does not mean there will not be darkness. It does not mean that the path will be bright or that the call will be clear. And it certainly does not mean that there is only one path for all of us. I don't even think it means that there is only one path for each of us. It does mean, though, that God, our creator and sustainer, is constant amidst our questions and our doubts. For God the caller is calling us where we are, as we are, and our main call is to listen and to live our own lives. O Good Shepherd, lead me on. Gone is the darkness Now comes the dawn Oh, good shepherd Lead me on Lead me Oh, 
shepherd, lead me on. Lead me on. Lead me on. Oh, good shepherd, lead me Soft is your calling, sweet is your song. Willing I fall, lead me on, lead me on, lead. Listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a Lenten presentation by Daniel Morton. You can consult the show notes for a little bit more information and certainly head to our website to access the full series. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. Thanks for listening.